It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one. Four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, January 16th, 2014. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Good Looking to forward to a good study. Uh, good to be with you as well. Monty's behind the controls tonight. We'll look forward to hearing from you on the program tonight as well, Monty. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And and uh, we'll look forward to hearing from you tonight. Uh, you can easily chime in with the chat room to the bottom of your video window if you're listening to us on the program live tonight. Sign in there and talk with other listeners. No personal information is required. You can be chatting with other listeners, or you can give us an email tonight, questions at collegeview.com, or call us at 877-381-4567. Did you notice that new banner on our on our virtual Bible study page, Jake? That was uh, very, very decorative. I like it. Well, what that is is actually a screenshot. I'm getting a lot of echo here. You're turned up too high. Uh, we're getting a that, that's actually a screenshot of uh, a billboard here in Columbia. There's a big electronic billboard on the north side of town, and we actually got a spot on there. I did. I saw that last night. It looks yeah. good. Yeah. So we thought we'd advertise that in case somebody's listening tonight who may have seen yes. uh, the virtual Bible study advertised on that billboard here in Columbia, Tennessee. Thank if you, you are a new listener, welcome. We we. We hope that we have some new listeners tonight. We're th- glad that you're here, and uh, this is a weekly Bible study with people f- uh, from all over the world who get together to look at what the Bible says. And uh, we're not uh, studying our think-sos or what somebody else has taught us. We're just studying what God has for us in his Word. That's right. Uh, on our website, Jacob, we've been promising to add some new content. Yes. Actually, there is some new content there. There is. I missed that. Uh, Where is it? We have some, we've got a, a new tab oh, for yes. recent bulletin yes. articles. yes. And then in the sermon archives, uh, a few select sermons are now not just in MP3 format, but there's also some video. Some of them you can watch the video of certain sermons. Oh, well, looky there! We'll try to add some some of some more video content there, but we, we're getting we're just slowly adding some new features. All right, you are uh, you're high speed. Yeah, yeah, we're getting there. Okay, check it out: thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeview.com. And this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You'll uh, hear more about that as we go along in the program tonight. We're glad that you're listening tonight. We look forward to hearing from you. Jacob, we we're, we're, uh, have a sort of an interesting subject tonight, I think, that yes. comes from the secular world. All right, let's hear it. Um, I found an article online earlier this week from Forbes magazine. Now, I got to tell you, I'm not a regular reader of Forbes magazine. I was going to ask you that question. Is that in your normal list? <laughs> no. Of, okay. Uh, it's really not. I mean, if... Uh, you know, you got to have some money to worry what, about what Forbes says, okay. and so I don't, and th- therefore right. I don't okay. pay attention to okay. to anything in Forbes right. magazine okay. typically. Uh, but th- this was interesting, caught my eye. Successful people, the eight self-limiting behaviors they avoid. Okay. That, that's what Forbes, that was this article by an author named Kathy Caprino in Forbes magazine. Yes. Now, uh I thought that's rather interesting. Obviously, Forbes magazine is addressed to people who have goals of financial and material success. Yes, that's what they're after. Obviously, I right. mean, and, and and nobody nobody is criticizing them over that. That's that's their objective. That's what they're pursuing. Yes. But I thought what we could do is to use those eight behaviors. In other words, they're saying there's eight behaviors. If you want to be a successful um, material. Uh, person. You want to be rolling in it. You want to have lots of money. If yes. you want to have career success, if you want to really make your way in this world in a materialistic way, there are eight things you need to avoid if you want to be successful. Now, you're not going to talk about how we can make more money on the no. program tonight. What I thought is that it's kind of interesting as I read through the list, I see there's some application to our spiritual pursuits. All right. Obviously, what concerns us is to be successful spiritually. Yes. Ultimately, to go to heaven when this life is over. Yes. That's our goal. Mm-hmm. And so could it be that some of these behaviors that, in other words, these are behaviors to avoid 
maybe we need to be avoiding those things spiritually as well. So that's what we're going to discuss in our study tonight. All right. 877-381-4567 is the email address or the phone number to use. Questionsatcollegeview.com is the email address. And we're going to talk about eight self-limiting behaviors. Well, do we want to avoid them, or is she off track? Uh, I guess we're going to compare that yeah. with what the Scripture says. Yeah, we're going to see what, the, what we can compare right. to the Bible. Okay, well, the first one. All right. So, uh, by the way, uh, we sent out this uh, this subject to our update list earlier today. Yes. Gave you, actually gave you the link to the article if you're interested in that. Okay. Um, and and we, we always remind people we do this every Thursday about noon. We send out an email that tells what our topic for discussion is going to be and asks for some feedback, okay. some questions for feedback. Right. If you're not on... Um, if you're not on our email update list, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com in the subject line. Say, add me to your list, and we will do that. No spam. Just an email yeah, a week yeah. about the topic that's going to be discussed on Thursday night, and you'll get a copy of the bulletin that's uh, that's published here as well. Those two emails are all you're going to get. No yeah. spam on that list. Yeah, Sign that's up. right. Okay. All right. Some of the, I'm, I'm kind of keeping up with the chat room. Somebody in the chat room is having trouble seeing the video. Or I hearing. think they're helping him through okay, that. But so I, I think, think some of the got, other listeners got are, that under control. I see Jeffrey, one of our regular techs, is is not here tonight. He's back to college in Cookville, Tennessee, but he's in the chat room, and, and he's uh, giving a little technical advice there in the chat room. So thanks, Jeff. All right, number one. All right, so, and I think that probably we've got to read the article to yes, explain do. what some of these things mean. Yes, and we're just going to go through them one at a time. First okay. of all, Forbes magazine says there are eight self-limiting negative behaviors that successful people avoid. The first of them is engaging in, quote, below-the-line, unquote, thinking. Engaging in below-the-line thinking. Now, what does that mean? So let me read what what this uh, um, author, Kathy Caprino, says. Below-the-line thinking refers to a particular mindset that shapes how you view the world in a limiting way. It leads to your believing that what's happening to you is outside your control and everyone else's fault, Uh, the economy, your industry, your boss, your spouse, and so forth. Below-the-line thinking says, it's not fair what's happening, and I don't have what it takes to overcome these challenges. I didn't expect this, and I can't handle it. Mm -hmm. Above-the-line thinking, on the other hand, says, I clearly see the obstacles ahead, and I'm addressing them with open eyes. I'm accountable for my life and my career, and I have what it takes to navigate through this successfully. If I fail, I'll still wake up tomorrow exactly who I am and will have learned something critical. All right, so that's what that's what is meant by below-the-line thinking. Below-the-line thinking is, man, everything's happened to me, and it's not my fault, and there's nothing I can do about it, and I just this is overwhelming, and I can't succeed. All right. Now, if you were going to be a business person, Jacob, I, I think that's uh, th- that surely is a recipe for disaster. Sure. In other words, it's, I would almost classify that as sort of a victim mentality. You know, oh, poor me. Look what's happening to me. Yeah. Um, and and this person is saying, if you want to succeed in business, you can't think that way. Yeah. But I believe that if we're going to see, succeed spiritually, we can't think that way either. Yeah, right. Well, let's see what our listeners have to say. Wade in Hampshire says, uh, Christians are certainly not perfect people. However, we do strive in that direction. She stated in the article that thinking below the line results in attitudes like it's not fair what's happening and I don't have what it takes to overcome these challenges. I didn't expect this and I can't handle it. uh, Wade says, we should, as Christians, never exemplify these attitudes. It is easy to blame the world and God for our misfortunes, but we should do as Paul in his letter to the Philippians, he said, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if anything, if anything, you have a different attitude, God will reveal it, that also to you, Philippians 3, 12 through 16. Notice what he said. He said we have to have a different attitude. So uh, Wade says uh, that Paul was focusing on the positive. You know, if there was ever a person who could have argued, what's happening to me is not fair, and I shouldn't have to deal with this, and in fact, the matter is I can't deal with it. It's overwhelming. I give up. If there's anybody who could have ever uh, maybe legitimately felt that way, surely it would be the Apostle Paul when you think about all the tremendous persecutions that he suffered. Uh, But instead of that... His, his expression, um, 
in Philippians chapter 4, I, I was just looking to see if Wade included that. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, his attitude was, Paul's attitude was, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Uh, he said in the previous verse, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Okay. So that's the, that's the positive attitude that Paul possessed. That he, wasn't we all need. he wasn't overwhelmed, and he certainly, as you said, he could have felt overwhelmed. Uh, and uh, Randy in Swartz Creek, Michigan says, In God's word we're told what to think on or to think uh, about, I think is what he's saying here. Philippians 4, verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. There are things we should not be thinking of, such as we read in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 and 20 uh, through 21. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, and drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. There is more that we should think about and do as we read in Galatians 5, 19 through 21, uh, that uh, that we should uh, be doing, the, the I guess, the works of the, uh, the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, he says, I also believe in uh, all, and when all is said and done, when the world is no more, that the only successful people will be faithful Christians that are uh, faithful to the point of death. Thank you, Randy, for those comments. Okay. Uh, Anthony is sending an email, and he says, I would say perhaps we need a little of both, above and below the line thinking to be successful Christians. We certainly need a bit of below the line thinking to realize that we are sinful creatures and we can't handle our eternal fate without God. Also, we need to depend on God every day for our lives and never become prideful. On the other hand, above the line thinking such as I see the obstacles ahead and I'm facing them with open eyes would be well in line with 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Of course, that's the verse that says, Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, stalketh about as a roaring right. lion, seeking whom he may devour. Right. And he says, also, it would be in line of Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, which say, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. So I, 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 think, I'm, I, I think Anthony maybe has nailed this. There's a sense in which we can, we need to think, I can't handle this on my own. Right. But with God's help, we can think above the line. No, in other words, we've got to remember our dependence on God, not be, not be overconfident in our own abilities. But with God's help, we can have the attitude that Paul had, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. So uh, maybe Anthony's got the right, uh, right approach there when he says maybe a little of both. Now, uh, you probably have known people in the past that, uh, that have displayed this idea, that, 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 that sort of the defeatist attitude, that I just can't do it, it's too hard. Um, and uh, maybe as a result of that, uh, they excuse themselves for not uh, living as they should. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm reading the, in the, the chat room. I was, you, You've seen people who uh, have had this defeatist attitude. Oh, yeah. And, and, yeah. As, and as a result, they excuse themselves for not uh, they don't even try. To a, yeah, not living to the standard that they should. Yeah, and, and, and they get to the point where they don't even try. And, and we can't do that, obviously. And so uh, I would say that, that this first point, in, we should not engage in this below-the-line thinking, which says uh, it's what's happened to me is not fair, uh, and I don't have what it takes to overcome the challenges. Nobody said it was going to be fair, and you on your own don't have the ability to, to take on all these challenges, but with God's help, it, it, it is possible. All right. You know, as far as it goes, there's a great deal of things in life that are not fair, but we, the fact that things come to me that are not fair is irrelevant. I still have to deal with them. I have to deal with them according to the principles God has set forth for me in the Bible, and I have to overcome them with his help depending on him, and then go on and make the best of it. So, yeah, life's not fair. Okay, we realize that. Now let's go on and do the best we well, can. Well, but the idea that something's not fair would indicate that you think that you deserve something, money, and we certainly don't deserve any of the blessings that we enjoy from God. They're all as a result of his grace. Well, life was not at all fair for Jesus, for him to have to leave heaven, come live on the earth as a poor man, be tortured and abused, and crucified because I sinned. That wasn't fair. So life's not fair. We have to deal with it. I think you're right. Monty, you you, you and your wife have had a good dose of the things that a lot of people would say not fair. Uh, uh, your wife, Tina, had a horrible cancer several years ago. A lot of people said she wouldn't make it. 
but you all have dealt with it nobly, and she's doing well. And uh, you just you go on. You take what comes to you, and you go on. It's not, but there was never any promise that it was all going to be a, a a bowl of cherries or uh, you know all sweet and roses. And so we take what comes our way. And you know, I really think the people who get bound up in this it's not fair kind of thinking are really looking at it only from a this world perspective, you know. And so in in this world, it's not fair. Well, if we understand the Bible, this is not our ultimate hope. This is not what we're about. We're trying to make it to heaven. That's where it all counts. All right. Uh, 877-381-4567. And uh, also, we shouldn't think uh, that we've got it worse than anybody else who's ever had it. Uh, that that think I think that goes along with this kind of thinking is that uh, that you know, woe is me and uh, nobody else has had it as bad as me. All right. Let's take a break and we'll get your thoughts on the next comment uh, when we get back. Mistaking fan, uh, fantastical, wishful thinking for action. Wow, that's going to be one that we'll talk about. Uh, when we get back, uh, join in on the discussion. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. Do you remember when the pulpit was used for the purpose of convicting sinners and teaching them how to be saved? Are you tired of preachers who seem much more inclined to entertain their audience than to teach the truth? Does it seem the sermons you are hearing each week could have easily be given at a PTA meeting or a social club? Do you remember when sin was called sin and at the end of the sermon you knew by book, chapter, and verse what the preacher was talking about and why? The College View Church is still preaching the old Jerusalem gospel that you read about in your Bible. They invite you to investigate for yourself. Come and see. Visit the College View Church of Christ. Here's some quotes worth pondering. People do odd things to get even. The first step in training a child in the way he should go is to go that way yourself. Men do not reject the Bible because it contradicts itself, but because it contradicts them. Those who give the most are the least concerned about returns. Man, wish I had said that. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. We're back on the program tonight, and we remind you that you can get in touch with us at 877-381-4567. We want to hear from you on the program tonight as we talk about behaviors successful people avoid from a physical uh, aspect tonight. Uh, that's what uh, those uh, this author in Forbes has said. Uh, from a physical aspect, people are avoiding these behaviors. Are these behaviors we should and thoughts that we should avoid in a physical, uh, I mean, a spiritual realm as well tonight? We're, con- we're considering these things with what the scriptures teach to find out if we maybe could change some of our thinking and our behaviors tonight. All right. Here's the second. Now, what we're doing, we're looking at Forbes magazine. Eight self-limiting behaviors that successful people avoid. We're seeing if there's some spiritual application to some principles set forth here. These people's goal is materialistic. Ours is spiritual. But are, are there some commonalities? Are there some things we need to avoid in order to be successful in our spiritual lives? Mm-hmm. So uh, this author, Kathy Caprino, says, Successful professionals pursue outcomes that flow organically from their current actions. Unsuccessful individuals attached to fantasies that may relieve them momentarily of their situational pain but have no basis in reality. For instance, I've heard from corporate professionals who share, I really hate my job and desperately want to leave. I've been wanting to write a book and become a motivational speaker for several years now. What's your advice? I'll respond, okay, great. Are you writing and speaking? And more often than not, the answer will be, well, no. And she goes on to say, you can't write a book if you're not writing anything, and you can't speak in public if you haven't developed any material to speak about. It's critical to take bold action toward your visions in order to create success. Successful people develop huge goals, too, but they crush them down into smaller, digestible, but courageous action steps that they build on, which leads naturally to the end goal they're pursuing. So the idea of that is you can't you can't just – I would if I was going to summarize that, I'd say she's saying – you can't just wish for things. You have to do something. You can't just say, oh, I, I sure would like to. you got to do something to get to that goal. Yeah. For instance, someone said, I sure would like to be a better Bible student. Yeah. But they don't do anything. They don't read their Bible. They don't study. They don't apply themselves. They don't take advantage of opportunities that are provided for them. Well, that's just fanciful thinking. If you're saying, I sure wish I could be a successful uh, Bible student, but you don't do anything to achieve that goal, then that that's not going to get you anywhere. All right. Uh, let us know your thoughts on this, uh, the suggestion from Forbes magazine tonight. Uh, 
you know, it, it does uh, immediately take me to uh, James chapter 2, where we see connection between faith and obedience there. And uh, I'm afraid there are many in the religious world today who are making the mistake of uh, of mistaking their thinking for action. God requires action from us on our in our lives. Uh, verse 16 of James chapter 2, um, uh, what is it, or verse 14, what is the prophet, my brethren, though a man say you have faith and have not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say to him, depart in peace, be you warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Verse 17, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Uh, James chapter 2 tells us that we can't just mistake this uh, this thinking for uh, obedience to God. Okay, all right. Um, got an email in from Patrick, uh, and I was late getting it, so I missed his first point. But here's what he says about this idea, the, the, the flawed practice of fantastical thinking or wishful thinking instead of actually doing something. He said, this is pretty simple and straightforward. Yes, ideas must be followed by action. I know people who often have big ideas and who talk a lot of talk, but they never actually do anything to make their ideas a reality. For example, people who talk of owning their own business, but who never learn about business or who never actually try to start even a small business or people who talk about starting a shelter for homeless people, but never even volunteer at existing homeless shelters. Donate, or, and they don't donate, donate money to them or handle their finances well enough to get themselves out of debt. He says some scriptures that apply. Romans 2, verse 13, it is not the hearers of the law who are just before God, but the doers of the law will be justified. And James 1, 22 and 25, which you just referenced earlier, Jacob, not just a hearer of the word, but a doer. Yeah. All right. Uh, Wade in New Hampshire says, in her article, she states, unsuccessful individuals attached to fantasies that may re- relieve uh, the momentary, uh, their their moment relieve them momentarily of their since uh, situational pain, but have no basis in reality. Wade says, when Moses was faced with a momentary situation, he decided to look beyond the immediate. He decided to just endure the pain. In Hebrews chapter eleven, verses twenty four through twenty six, by faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Considering the approach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking for the reward. We as Christians, Wade says, have to look beyond the moment, as she suggested in this article. Our goal should be much greater. It is easy to get sidetracked on the things we like. Thank you, Wade, for that. Okay, Anthony says we should take bold action toward our visions. He's quoting her, quoting our author here. He says we should, quote, take bold action toward our visions when it comes to obeying the gospel. Heaven is not a pipe dream. It is attainable if we take courageous action. We don't want to be like Felix or the rich young ruler in Matthew 19, verse 22. Instead, we need to follow the Ethiopian eunuch's example. Once we become a Christian, we need to be willing to take extreme measures to keep ourselves from sin, such as Jesus taught in Matthew 5, 29, and 30. All right. And Randy in Swartz Creek, Michigan says, Being a child of God, we don't need to have wishful uh, thinking. At, At least we shouldn't. Our Heavenly Father answers our prayers in the best way for us. He always does it right. Matthew 18, verse 19. Again, I say to you that if two of you shall agree on earth as such anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Matthew 15, 21 through 20. Uh, Matthew 15, 21, 21 and 22. Jesus answered and said to them, Verily I say unto you, if you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if you shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed and thou shalt and cast it into the sea. It shall be done. And all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Luke eleven nine and 10 says, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. And so uh, Randy suggests there that we should pray to God, and not just have wishful thinking that God will answer our prayers. I would say that we need to temper some of those uh, passages he said with uh, some uh, some other passages uh, that uh, would uh, help us to understand that uh, Jesus wasn't saying we could literally take a mountain and have it cast into the sea uh, with uh, with prayer there uh, today. Okay. And Ramona in Texas said, Christians are granted a great hope. No matter how bad life seems, we always have the hope for the future. This is not mere wishful thinking. The Bible clearly says that we have a hope that does not disappoint, Romans 5, verse 5. I think that's right, but I think the point that we're talking about here is you've got to take some action toward the goal that you want to achieve. You can't just wish for or hope for uh, an outcome. You've got to do something to make it happen. Okay. All right. 
Well, good uh, discussion there. Uh, the next thing that uh, she suggested that right. uh, successful people We got, some, people we got some stuff going on in the chat room. I was trying to watch that yeah. there briefly, but it's not on point at all. Uh, we got a couple of guys talking about stuff that we're not discussing on, on our program tonight, so they might like to take that to another forum and open up the chat room. we got a lot of people in the chat room. Uh, if Tim and Kirk would like to take their discussion offline to some other forum and let our listeners participate on on the topic we're discussing, we'd appreciate that. Um, the third point, she says, is remaining powerless and speechless. Successful people do not do this. Successful people do not remain powerless and speechless. She explains, successful people are in touch with their power and are not afraid to use it and express it. They advocate and negotiate strongly for themselves and for others, for what they are, for what they care about, and don't shy away from articulating just how they stand apart from the competition. They know how they contribute uniquely and the value they bring to the table. In addition, they don't wait to bring up concerns. They tackle challenges head on, speaking about them openly with calm, poise, and grace. They don't hide from their problems, and they don't perceive themselves as hapless victims. All right. I now, the, some of this is a little bit probably iffy in regards to our spiritual pursuits. Would you agree? I would agree. You know, this idea that uh, uh, they advocate. in touch with your own power, yeah. not afraid to use it and express it. I don't know. I, I don't know how we would parallel that to anything spiritual, anything Monty positive. Monty's got an idea. Well, the way I see that, I think of the Apostle Paul. He knew that his power come from Jesus, that his faith, he had faith in God and that God was helping him to accomplish what he was supposed to accomplish, which was going about teaching people. He wasn't afraid to stand up for and, and speak what he believed, and he stood for it, and he was also willing to help other people to, to grow spiritually. So I think in that aspect, we can, we can maybe apply that principle she's talking about. Okay. That's interesting. Uh, the, the part of it here that says they know what they care about and don't shy away from articulating it well that's that's certainly appropriate for us to be successful spiritually uh, and anybody that knows me ought to know what i really care about and it, but if i'm too shy if i if i remain powerless and speechless if i don't express what are my important goals and priorities then that's a mistake and i'm not going to succeed spiritually if i don't Tell people what really matters to me. So I need to speak up. John and Patrick have some interesting observations in the chat room. John says the current point can be an asset. The greater our belief, the more we will advocate and speak about our faith and live by our faith. So John's saying we can speak up okay. uh, about our faith. And then Patrick says, uh, I think there's some truth to that, understanding that we all have a, have gifts which God has given us, which we may use. We What we care about is evident by what we spend our time doing and talking about. So Patrick says that we do have <coughs> gifts that we can use, and we need to be using those gifts. And I would agree with that as well. And so appreciate those comments from Patrick and John tonight in the chat room. Okay. Uh, he, uh, and, and Patrick also has sent us an email, and he, and he, said, he gives some uh, Bible verses. Uh, I could quote a lot of Paul, especially 2 Corinthians 11 and 12. He just, it, but he goes on to quote a passage from 2 Corinthians 11, 16 through 29, uh, to show how Paul exemplifies the qualities of, of speaking up and, and uh, uh, using uh, his power to speak up for what was important to him. He also, I'm not going to take time to read that longer passage. He also references 1 Peter 1, 6 through 9 and 1 Peter 4, 12 through 14. All right, uh, Ramona in, in Texas says, when we feel powerless and speechless, we should turn to God. We should acknowledge our reliance on him. She references Romans 8, 31 and 32, 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Only God can uh, know how our prayers uh, work, but uh, He, we believe he answers. So thank you, uh, for Ramona, for your comments. Wade uh, says uh, that... Um, uh, I've noticed that the religious world has been easily swayed by the world into accepting things like homosexuality. Even senators that have voiced great op opinion contrary to it fall into the trap when their own child has uh, come out of the closet. Christians should not shy away, as she states. We should, first of all, know the Bible and not be afraid to stand up for what it says. In Acts 4, after Peter and John had been released from jail, uh, they came back out still preaching. When questioned, they simply responded in verse 19, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge, for we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Thank you, Wade. 
and uh, Anthony says we should, quote, advocate and negotiate strongly for what we care about, unquote. That's what the article says. And he says we could all use a good dose of evangelistic gumption. There you go. What, advocate Anthony? and negotiate strongly. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we need to advocate. I, I don't know. We, we could probably quibble about the word negotiate. There's not a lot of negotiating that can be done uh, in regards to the absolutes of God's word, but we should, in, in regards to what she's saying there, successful people advocate strongly yes. for, for what they care about. All right. That's got to be, that's got to be true of us if we're going to be successful. That's true. Uh, uh, in uh, Randy in Swartz Creek, Michigan, Paul said this in Philippians 4, uh, 12 and 13, I know how to be a base and how to abound in everywhere and in all things I am instructed to be both full and be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. In Jesus our Lord, we never need to be powerless and speechless. Jesus is always with the faithful. Randy, thank you for that. Okay. All right. All right. John says in Ephesians chapter Ephesians chapter six verse thirteen comes to mind. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, we are always able to. Uh, we are to always stand. And so we uh, we appreciate uh, that comment tonight. Hey, it looks like we're up to break time, so let's take a break, and then we're going to have to go a little faster to get through all eight points. We've just covered three of them, Jacob, so we'll move a little quicker when we get back. When we get back, we'll continue the session. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Enjoying the Virtual Bible Study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 13 says, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. The Lord has supplied us with all the necessary things, and he expects us to stand. The New American Standard Version renders this, quote, to stand firm. It seems that there are far too many Christians who are unwilling to take a stand. Some will not stand against false doctrine or those who teach it. They have a low tolerance for naming names of those who hold false views. They don't want people to specify the errors that are being taught and practiced. They even go to great lengths to find some way to justify their continued fellowship with such false teachers. Included in this group are some that are misusing Romans 14. They claim that this text allows for an ongoing relationship with those who teach false doctrine. This interpretation is at direct odds with numerous other passages that instruct us to rebuke false teachers and have no company with them. Consider, for instance, Galatians 1, 8 and 9, or 2 John, verse 9. These folks need to take a stand. Others will not take a stand on important moral issues. Too many Christians want to be like the worldly people around them. They want to dress, talk, and act like the world. They want their children to be able to do all the worldly things that others do, including the wearing of immodest clothes, mixed swimming, dancing, attending filthy movies, and so forth. They simply do not want to be different from the world. In this, they refuse to take a stand. The spiritual battle with the forces of Satan is real and intense. There's no time to be weak or indecisive. Quote, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile in South America. And I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program too. Gracias. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program tonight. We're glad that you are here as well. We want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. If you haven't checked out our website, it is thevirtualbiblestudy.com. It is also uh, collegeview.com. You can find out more information about the College of Church of Christ there. Listen to sermons that have been presented. Watch sermons that have been presented. Read bull articles that have been presented in the bulletin. Find out more about this program and the almost nine years worth of, uh, of programs that we have done where you can find a wide variety of uh, topics discussed. We look forward to you checking out thevirtualbiblestudy.com and contacting us if you have any questions about anything we might believe or practice. Maybe you hear something you disagree with and you'd like some clarification or you'd like some further discussion on that. If you have a suggestion for a topic to be discussed in the virtual Bible study in the future, send that in to questions at collegeview.com. We look forward to hearing from you on the, uh, tonight. Uh, we're talking about behaviors successful people avoid. It was presented in a physical uh, setting, physical context, but we believe there are some spiritual uh, applications and parallels that we can draw. And so we look forward to hearing from you on the program tonight. All right. So in this article from Forbes magazine, uh, things successful 
people avoid doing to be materialistically successful, can we learn from them? Can we make some principles, uh, applications of the principles to our spiritual lives? Successful people avoid resisting change. Interesting. All right. Uh, This is the way the author explains that. Successful people don't break themselves against what is or. No, you, uh, you, you skipped one. You skipped number four. Oh, 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 oh. Hey, hang back, on, hang back on, up, back, back up. Back up don't back put up. it off. Don't yeah, put oh, it off. Yeah, yeah. Number four was successful people avoid putting off investing in themselves. You almost put it off. She says, I see this behavior over and over in those who feel thwarted and unsuccessful. They are incredibly reluctant to invest time, money, and energy in themselves and their own growth. They are comfortable only when putting other people's needs ahead of their own. They make any excuse for why now is not the time to invest in themselves or commit to change. They feel guilty, shame. They feel guilt, shame, and anxiety over claiming I'm worth this. Successful people don't wait. They spend money, time, and effort on their own growth because they know without doubt it will pay off for themselves and everyone around them. Okay. Now, what about that? What about, some of that sounds uh, a little unbiblical or anti-biblical to me. Uh, that. The idea of putting, in other words, the author seems to be condemning the idea of putting other people's needs ahead of their own. Right. I'd have to disagree with that. Yeah, I, I would disagree with that. We're, we're supposed to we're supposed to be servants. We're supposed to have yes. a servant's heart yes. and not a selfish outlook on life. Right. And so, in that regard, I would disagree with this statement. On the other hand, I would agree with the things that uh, I would agree with her when she says we need to do things that promote our own spiritual growth. Right. You know, we need to be pursuing First Peter three eighteen. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So we need to do the things that promote spiritual growth. Right. I actually think that we do grow spiritually when we put others ahead of ourselves. Absolutely. You know, so I would disagree with this. You, you maybe from a from a materialistic standpoint, she's got it on on the mark. But I think from a spiritual standpoint, you know, Jesus taught his disciples, "He who is greatest will be servant of all." And so this idea you you should put your concerns ahead of those of others around you is, I think, not accurate from the spiritual perspective. Absolutely. Uh, so those maybe needs to be clarified, but uh, we do uh, need to be investing in ourselves in, in order to make uh, ourselves better. Uh, Ramona says uh, our salvation is a daily reality and an eternal reality if we do ha- if, if we do the uh, – these things place our confidence in the atonement of uh, Jesus' death. Place our trust in God's power to resurrect. Learn to love God as He loves us. Um, and then uh, Wade in Hampshire says, "Our investment should be setting our minds on things above, not on things on, on the, that are on earth, because God is not a respecter of persons. When He gives us things to do, it not only benefits us but those who are around us." And uh, Anthony says, "This point may be good for getting ahead in the corporate world, but taken in a secular context, it sounds pretty selfish." Certainly, uh, certainly flies in the face of Mark ten forty four and Philippians two verse three. But if we flip this to the spiritual plane, we absolutely should pour out as much time, money, and energy into being the strongest Christians we can be. See the parable of the talents. Thank you, Anthony, for that. Okay. And Randy in Michigan says Christians are to deny self in this world and in the world to come. It's all about God, God first in everything. Right. It references Luke fourteen twenty six through thirty. Okay. All right. And Patrick says, if I can get uh, to the right page here, uh, he says this is a pretty good point here. Most of us are prone to procrastinate and uh, prone to procrastination and laziness. If we don't want to do something, especially something that we perceive as requiring more effort than we want to put into it, we can easily convince ourselves that it can wait until tomorrow or some other day. Of course, if we don't want to do it, tomorrow always remains tomorrow and never becomes today. Someday never be, never comes. The reality goes right back to the first point discussed above, the need for intentionality and the need to make specific plans and set specific goals. As the proverb says, the, blessed, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The next best time is today. And then he, he quotes uh, Psalm 95, Hebrews 3, 12 through 15, Hebrews 4, 7, Luke 8, 5 through 8, uh, uh, which is talking about, uh, it gives the whole length of the parable of the sower. Uh, he says, we also must persevere because our perseverance will pay off and the effort will be worth it in the end. All right. Looking forward to hearing from you on the program tonight. So should we put off investing in ourselves? 
No, I don't think we should put off investing ourselves. Not if it's for our selfish personal desires, uh, but if it's uh, if it is for being a better Christian, we need to do it. Yeah, we 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 had to sort of say we agree, but somewhat disagree with this outlook. Have to temper it a little bit. Maybe have to temper it a little bit. Putting off investing in ourselves. We should we should invest in ourselves and in our spiritual growth. That's right. All right, real quickly before we get to this next break, Jacob, let's take the next point. A behavior that successful people avoid resisting change. Successful people don't break themselves against what is or drown in the changing tides. They go with the flow. They follow the trends and embrace them. They're flexible, fluid, and nimble. They react to what's in front of them and improvise deftly. Those who are unsuccessful bemoan what is appearing before them, stay stuck in the past or in what they expected, complaining about how life is not what it should be and and why what is feels so wrong. Hmm. Uh, what about that? What do you think about that one? That one's hard. I mean, that one would depend on how you want to look at it. Uh, if if there are things in our lives that need to change because they're wrong, then we need to make the change. Yeah. We need to be flexible. I think we need to do what, what she says here. We need to be flexible, fluid, and nimble. It, it, to, it, to move in a direction more like God wants us right. to be. Right, got to be flexible, fluid, and nimble. All right. Uh, Ramona says, uh, take the example of the rich man and Lazarus. He went away sad because he didn't want to leave his riches. That, he that, resisted change. That's, 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 that's a great example. That's think, right. Yeah. All right. Uh, Wade says uh, um, that um, in Hitler's, sometimes the flow is not always the way to go. That sort of rhymes, Wade. Good job. In Hitler's day, many went with his flow as well. It didn't turn out so good for them. Truth never changes. A lie will always be a lie. However, sometimes popular colors change, buildings change, technology changes, but God does not change. Uh, he references Malachi 3, verse 6, For I am the Lord, I change not. So he would say that you can't change to fit the times, which we would definitely agree with. We, we agree. Now, this, this really demands us to have a proper definition of what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, we are not to sort of follow the trends. You know, some of those expressions, uh, uh, you know, you have to go with the flow, follow the trends and embrace them. Uh, well, if we did that religiously, we'd, we'd probably all be ultimately become atheists, you know. Yeah. And so that's not what we're talking about. But we are talking about changing to be more like God's word tells us. In other words, not say this is just the way I am and this is the way I'm going to stay. If I can, if if I have areas of improvement that I need to make, then I've got to be willing to change in those areas. All right. Absolutely. Uh, way Anthony says that uh, this one may not be one we can easily apply in a positive way to spiritual life. The opposite is true. We need to resist change in the religious world because God does not change. He references James one seventeen. We must not be carried about with every wind of doctrine. So that's the other that's the other side of this coin. Randy, I think, has got a good take on this. Uh, Randy in Michigan says, "I, by God's grace, will resist any change that would take me away from God. Now, if there's any change that will bring me closer to God." Who will embrace it? In other words, we got it. He has summarized it well. I think so. Exactly right. We're okay. up to our last break. Pretty close. Let's take that, and then we'll we'll wrap up. Three more. Three to go. more. All right. Honoring others, people, other people's priorities over their own is something that people that uh, successful people avoid. We want to talk about that. I think there's going to be a lot of discussion there. This, doubting themselves and their instincts is number seven. I think there'll be some more discussion there as well. And then number eight. Searching for handouts and easy answers. I don't know about that one. We're going to hand you a break right now, and uh, it's going to be an easy break. We'll get back to the discussion right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Hello, everyone. I'm Monty, a member of the College View Church of Christ. So if you've been hearing all about the College View Church of Christ on the virtual Bible study and are interested in finding out more about the church, but you live hundreds of miles away from Columbia, Tennessee, and can't come and visit with the congregation to find out more, there's no reason to fear. After all, we live in the 21st century. Here's what you can do to find out more about the College View Church of Christ. First, why don't you check out our website while you're listening to the virtual Bible study? You'll find important information about the church there, including bulletin articles there on various subjects and can even listen to sermons that have been presented at the College View Church in the past. Secondly, if you have questions about the church or about any Bible teaching, why don't you send an email to us and let us know how we can help. Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. That address, once again, is questions at collegeview.com. We can even have a personal Bible study with you over email if you desire. And finally, if you would rather talk with someone in person, give us a call at 931-381-4567. That's 
381-4567. You can call this number anytime. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and we'll call you back as soon as we can. We're glad you're listening to the Virtual Bible Study and hope to hear from you soon. We're tracking the trends on the Virtual Bible Study. Jesus Christ has been named as the most significant person in human history ever, according to a new book entitled, Who's Bigger? Where Historical Figures Really Rank. Here's the listing of the top ten most significant figures in human history. Number one, Jesus Christ. Number two, Napoleon Bonaparte. Number three, William Shakespeare. Number four, Prophet Muhammad. Number five, Abraham Lincoln. Number six, George Washington. Number seven, Adolf Hitler. Number eight, Aristotle. Number nine, Alexander the Great. Number ten, Thomas Jefferson. That information is via the Christian Post. The Word of God says in Luke 6, verse 46, And why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, God. Uh, we're back on the program tonight talking about uh, attitudes and actions that successful people avoid. Uh, from a Forbes magazine article, it was written about the financial and physical uh, realm, but we're making spiritual applications to it tonight. Looking forward to hearing from you. Patrick in the chat room says, when it comes to resisting change, it depends on the kind of change we're talking about. The Judaizers were resisting good change. They wanted to cling to the old ways and insisted that Christians cling to the old law. On the other hand, bad change should be resisted. For example, society is now changing so, so that things like divorce, fornication, and homosexuality are accepted as normal and acceptable. Such kind of changes must be resisted. We mustn't give and allow ourselves to be changed by such fads. Thank you, Patrick. Yeah, well, well, well said, Patrick. Well stated. All right, let's move on. We've got three points to make here in our, in our last segment. Now, remember what we're doing. If you just joined us, uh, we're looking at an article from Forbes magazine, which we don't typically do. You sort do. of sound all uh, high society. Yeah, I told, as I said earlier, Forbes magazine is not in my normal reading schedule. But uh, came across this article, What Successful People Avoid Doing. Yeah. Well, you know, they're looking for money and material success. We're looking for spiritual success, and ultimately heaven is where we want to end up. Yep. That should be our goal. So are there some principles that successful people use in business that we could use in our pursuit of heaven? And that's what—that's the gist of our okay. study. Um, number, uh, number six, successful people know what matters most to them, their priorities, values, concerns, and their mission and purpose. Then this, uh, this is they avoid honoring other people's priorities over their own. So they don't float aimlessly on a sea of possibility. They are masters of their own ship and know where they want to head and make bold moves in the direction of their dreams. To do this, they're very clear about their top <clears throat> priorities in life and work and won't be waylaid by the priorities and values of others. In short, they have very well-defined boundaries and know where they end and others begin. They say no to endeavors and behaviors and thinking that will push them off track. They know what they want to create uh, and, and the legacy, the legacy they want to leave behind in this lifetime and honor that each day. All right, so... That one, I kind of like that one, and I think I could, if I was allowed to paraphrase it for spiritual matters, spiritually successful people know what matters most to them, their priorities, values, concerns, and their mission and purpose. And uh, you would say they have a spiritual spine. Yeah. They don't float aimlessly on a sea of possibility. They Now, this is a little bit, this would be off. They're masters of their own ship. They know where, but... Uh, you know, we, we're we're simply servants in God's kingdom. You know, yes. we're not we're not masters of our own ship. We're servants in God's kingdom, but they know where they want to head, and they make bold moves in the in that direction. Yeah. That, that would be fitting. Yeah. They're clear about their top priorities. Uh, they won't be waylaid by the priorities and values of others. They have well defined boundaries. They know where they want to end up. But they know where their boundaries end and where the others begin. They say no to endeavors and behaviors and thinking that will push them off track. All of that would be applied to a successful Christian. Sure. And you know, the title, the, the the heading here, honoring other people's pro- they don't honor other people's priorities over them. That sort of that sounds very unscriptural. I think she clears it up with uh, her her description here. The, the second parable, uh, second paragraph of that uh, under that heading. That doesn't mean they are selfish and think only of themselves. It means they know specifically how they want to use their talents and passions in the world and commit to living out their visions. And very often these visions are about being of service to others. To get, uh, okay, so, um, so, so, so what she's focusing on there is that they've got direction. They're not being swayed by others. They're not allowing the opinions of others to influence them in how they respond. Okay. Uh... 
I think Ramona was a little bit confused. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that one by uh, by, by, by the title point. itself. The, yeah. the, the article does clear it up as you as you read it on. Uh, this is Wade. It is Wade. Wade says. Uh, uh, in, concerning they don't float aimlessly on a sea of possibility. They're master of their own ship, know where they want to head, and make bold moves in the direction of their dreams. To do this, they're very clear. He's just quoting that. Yeah, he said, uh, Paul uh, used this exact idea in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Do you not know that those who run the race, run in a race, all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make uh, it a slave so that after I have preached others, I myself will not be disqualified. It is easy for other things to lead us down a road we don't want to go. We have to be focused on our goal, Wade says. Okay. Thank you. I think that's right. Uh, And that is a good tie-in with that passage. Uh, uh, Anthony says... Uh, we should be single-minded in our dedication to serving God, and we definitely should have clear priorities with God at the top. Definitely a useful philosophy here, but again, way too much selfishness in this notion as written in the article. I think that's I think that's sort of a good point that Anthony makes. There's some good in these principles set forth, but you get the idea that a person who's pursuing success in this world has to be selfishly motivated to really reach the top. Right. And that is so counter uh, to the principles that the Lord wants us to apply in our Christian lives. Okay. All right. Um, And then Randy says, um, I am taught in God's holy word to always put him first, others second, myself last. Our God is the creator, and he knows what is best for us. Again, that's the uh, the idea of not being selfish. We should other other people's priorities, other people's needs, other people's desires ahead of our own. Uh, as we read, so not not their priorities necessarily. In other words, uh, well, not, in, in, in other words, I should not surrender my priorities to anyone. I I've got to keep my priorities in their in you know in place in the that, spiritual uh, realm. In the physical in the, realm, I'm going to yield to your priorities. Yeah, but in the spiritual world, I can't let you take me off track of my right. of my priorities. Yes. Okay. Uh, Patrick mentions James one oh, six. Yeah. One who doubts is like the surf of the sea. Driven and tossed by the winds. Yeah. I think that's right. Okay. We got to we got to be more definite about what we're pursuing. Number seven. Quickly. We're quickly running out of time. A, a trait, a behavior that successful people avoid is doubting themselves and their instincts. Those who doubt themselves, lack trust in their own gut or instincts, or second guess themselves continually, find themselves far from where they want to be. Successful professionals believe in themselves without fail. Sure, they acknowledge they have power gaps or blind spots in areas that need deep development, but they forgive themselves for what they don't know and the mistakes they've made and accept themselves. They keep going and hope with optimism, knowing that the lessons from these missteps will serve them well in the future. Uh, I don't, again, I, I think this would be similar to several of the others. There, there's some expressions in there that are just not true sure. to the Christian yeah. you know, ideal. Uh, who do we believe in? Ourselves? Well, we believe in God, and yes. we believe in the power of God. I do doubt myself and my instincts in the spiritual realm. It is not in man that walketh to direct his own steps. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I need God and his instruction. Yeah, so this one's a little off. Uh they they know that uh, the mistakes they've made. Uh, see, they forgive themselves for what they don't know and the mistakes they've made and accept themselves. Um, could that have some? Could that that be somewhat some of, similar to what Paul said, said in yeah. Philippians chapter three? He said, uh, "Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended." Or let's start back at verse verse twelve. Not as though I'd already attained; either were already perfect. But I follow after that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended for Christ Jesus. I count not myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. All right, so they do, uh, so we should uh, not doubt that, not doubt our resolve to serve God. We should not doubt uh, that we, we need to be following him, and so, um, and we do need but to But, Monty, there's a, there's a principle here, you know, they don't doubt their own instincts, you know. Spiritually, we can't go with just our own instincts, what seems right to us, right? Well, the Bible t- teaches us over and over what seems right to a man is quite often not the way God would have us to be. As long as our instincts are honed by the Word of God and trained by the Word of God, we can follow them. But 
if there's we're just looking into ourselves for that, we're we're going to be failures. So, you know, we can't continue in our instincts, but our instinct has to be our our responses. You would, might would say have to be honed and trained by the Word of God to yeah. we respond properly in accordance with His Word. Patrick references Jeremiah seventeen verse nine: "The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it?" So that's the danger in trusting your own heart. Yeah, and Hebrews chapter five uh, says. Strong meat belonging to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So we have to work at developing that instinct based upon our understanding of the revealed word of God. All right. Well, we're down to the last one. Yeah, we Uh, just got a few minutes left. Let's see what this one has. All right. A successful a, a, a behavior that successful people avoid is searching for handouts and easy answers. Mm. She says, I can often tell from the first contact I have with someone if they'll be likely to succeed in their new entrepreneurial venture and career or not. How? By the nature of their expectations and how they set out to fulfill them. Here's an example. If a complete stranger reaches out to me expecting free help without considering what she may have to offer in return, it's a bad sign. Let's say she asks something like this. I'm quote, I'm launching my new business and wondered if you can give me some advice. I can't pay you because I'm a startup, but I sure hope you can help me anyway. From this one email, I know she's not ready to make it happen in her own business. Why? Because successful professionals and those destined to be successful wouldn't consider asking for help in this way. Instead, they, one, understand that they have something important and valuable to offer in any situation, and two, they're willing and happy to share or barter that in return for what they want, and three, they treat others exactly like they would want to be treated. Okay. What about that? Uh, you know, I, I do think that, and again, this is real business-oriented, this worldly-oriented. Yeah. So there's some of that terminology that just, just just strikes us wrong. But I think there is a principle here. You know, there are some, there are some Christians who approach things like, oh, what's been done for me? What have you done for me? What's it? I my my needs haven't been met. You haven't been doing anything for me lately. What have you done for me lately? Okay. You know, instead of looking outside themselves and saying, "What could I do for others? Who who, who is there in the local congregation? Who is there uh, among my acquaintances? Who is there in my community? Who is there that needs me that I could serve them and help them?" You know, and, and I do think to be a successful Christian, we have to develop that servant's heart that's looking for opportunities to do good for others rather than bemoaning the fact that, poor me, look what hasn't been done for me. So when they're dealing with other people, we shouldn't look for that easy answer and that handout. Uh, I think also in our in our relationship with God, we shouldn't necessarily look for easy answers and handouts. In James chapter 1, verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. God hasn't promised us that it's going to be that our life's going to be full of easy answers and handouts from Him either. Yeah, exactly right. Ramona said, uh, "I had that here." She oh, says we want easy yeah. answers from God, but He never promised it would be easy. We have to hold steadfast and reach our goal. Uh, Wade said, um, "This is the key to su- uh, success." Where is he? Okay, no, I'm sorry, we didn't. No, 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 no right. He, he says. Uh, uh, Jesus said, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few, Matthew 9, 36-38. Being a Christian is no easy road like many of the religious world imply. Christ expects us to be laborers in a kingdom. Uh, an expectation of persecution is also stated in 2 Timothy 3, verse 11 and following. All who live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. A Christian is a worker, I agree. Jesus said, ye shall know them by their fruits, Matthew seven fifteen and following. Anthony says the last point talks a lot about their golden rule, and I couldn't agree more. We should be respectful, and we should be happy to share. But this essay cast off on anyone who would offer help without the expectation of reciprocity. The Bible teaches the opposite. We should freely give freely without any expectation of reciprocity. Uh, Luke 14, 13 and 14, and other verses I can't seem to put my finger on. Thank you, Anthony. Okay, I think that's right. Uh, that's reciprocity. Sorry. Reciprocity. I was adding an extra syllable there. Uh, but I'm not asking for anything in return. Money. All right, and I don't I, think. I think a lot of times uh, an example I can think of is, is looking for the easy way out. Uh, we ask God. Jesus prayed that we'd have unity. So we ask God, God, please help us to all get along. But then we don't do anything towards studying the scriptures to learn oh, yeah. how to get along. Right, we you just want, want the easy God answer. To do it for us. Yeah, you got yeah. Just yeah. God, yeah. Uh, take yeah. away this uh, or, or make it easy for me. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mike. Good I, point. I, I just think in, in in relationship to this point, in spiritual matters, among Christians, I see some who are 
givers, and I see some who are takers. Okay. And there's some people who are always wanting something done for them rather than looking for what they can do for others. And I would make that application. To be successful spiritually, we can't be always just expecting an, an easy out or free handout. Yeah, you alluded to this before. I think it was at Mark uh, 10 that the, we're gonna, those who would be great would be the uh, least of all and servant of all. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. So, um, so good. All right. Well, good discussion tonight. It's gone fast uh, and good discussion in the chat room as well. As we said, we don't usually read Forbes magazine, but maybe there there's some things that we can gain by the principle of success in the business world. Some of the some at least some aspects of what you would do to be successful in the business world parallel what we need to be doing to be successful in the spiritual realm but there are notable differences as we tried to point out tonight and john had trouble with reciprocity on sunday in his sermon it sounds like uh, in the chat room so uh, we're i'm not the only one (laughs) there you go reciprocity new word there you go all right well uh good discussion tonight appreciate uh monty for being here tonight and your comments monty thank you dad for your time thanks glad to be here thanks to all our listeners as well if you have any questions about anything you've heard you want to suggest a topic for a future edition of the virtual bible study you have any questions about what we might believe or practice we welcome you to come and contact us anytime questions at collegeview.com is the way you reach us and you can reach us here this time next week for another edition of the virtual bible study we encourage you in the meantime to put god first in your life Study his inspired word of the Bible and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.